0: Welcome, Phil. Hey, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can
1: actually just kind of do that. We, I mean, just, we do we just, kind of ease our way just, in. Just, we get just, things
0: run just out. Just kidding. Yeah. The very
1: strict rules that we have
2: around here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to No Place I'd Rather Be, the podcast about St. John's University basketball and the legacy of Minnesota's all-time collegiate wins leader, Coach Jim Smith. On today's episode, we are lucky enough to have Phil Johnson and John Wehoff, two seminal figures in St. John's basketball history during what was one of the most sustained stretches of on-court success seen in college. From 1976 to 1988, the Johnnies appeared in the national tournament 10 of those 12 years. Wehoff and Johnson were right in the middle of that run through the 80s. Johnson was All-MIAC in All-Region, both first team, in 85-86 and 86-87, with an MVP caliber year in 85-86, which is not hyperbole since he was voted MIAC Most Valuable Player that year. Wehoff also was twice an all mayak selection in 82-83 and 83-84, and earned Academic All-American honors in 1983. So, it became clear pretty quickly that what was originally going to be one episode needed to be two. And not only that, but the conversation flowed so smoothly that I left it nearly untouched. Nearly. And let me tell you, that is not the norm around here. I mean, if you could only hear some of the stuff that gets cut, well, quite frankly, you would be appalled. And never the guests, always the hosts just awful but you know what that is ladies and gentlemen job security anyway all kidding aside we're trying something new by presenting this conversation to you as it went down start to finish beginning to middle today middle to end next week with a few touches of color along the way from a major player in the majority of what follows our very own Tom Connor. So here they are Phil Johnson, John Wehoff, and Coach Smith, with hosts Tom Connell and John Russell.
3: I feel slightly more vulnerable since Tom and I were co-captains. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he probably knows a little more avenues. Well, well look at world. what he's prepared for. I you. know. I'm a little. I don't feel like the typical guest. I feel like <laughs> the guy that he knows too much about. But okay. yeah.
1: well, you know what? All we got to do is start talking about my 19th birthday, and, this <laughs> stuff <for> and <laughs> You know, I,
3: I've
0: heard a little bit about this 19th birthday, and at some point, I'm going to get the full story. Oh, I think Tom maybe has shared. It's not for publication Uh, (laughs) a note about my 19th
1: birthday three couples all first dates two of those couples ended up marrying the third couple of which I was a part never really got past that first date yeah let's just say that the young woman who was my date was less than enthralled I'm not saying that it was me walking on top of cars outside of O'Hare Brothers (laughs) or me sitting underneath the table chirping at the rest of the people in the bar saying, come on, I can drink anybody under the table. But I, you know, just that, that she was less than enthralled. Um, You know, also it worth mentioning too, that I get a text on the morning of uh, my birthday every year from John Wehoff because that was a, that was their first date on my birthday, my 19th birthday. And he, of course they remember it fondly. I'm not sure I <laughs> want to hear some of this. Yeah, stuff. you probably do Maybe know. I'll just read <laughs> yeah. it. That, that's in that part of the book Tim Mack wanted to write, which yes. is stuff that you that, never
3: knew. That I never knew. This yeah, version I mean. might be rated a little different yeah. than some of the others. <laughs> yeah. That's all
1: right. That's all right. I got plenty of gotcha questions in here, actually, for <laughs> both of you. So, um, So let's do this. We'll start, John, with you and talk a little bit about how you got to St. John's.
3: Okay. We're ready to go just jump yeah, in yeah, oh, yeah. good well I uh, I grew up in Sartell about 10 miles away from St. John's and played high school basketball there uh, knew of Phil from high school basketball at St. Cloud Tech as well too and you know when I was in high school St. John's was in a good place I, I got to watch the 79 team uh, Frank and those guys play so whenever I could get away and get out and watch a St. John's game the the environment there was pretty electric at the time. The fans, the games were sold out. The Rat Pack was alive and well. The teams were really good. I saw a lot of really good games. So I got exposed to St. John's through basketball and loved playing basketball. And then, uh, what sort of cemented it further was through my high school coach got an opportunity to be a camp counselor in uh, Schmidt's summer basketball camps so uh, in addition to you know playing basketball and seeing the school then I got connected through working at the uh, summer basketball camps so when when uh, I got the opportunity to go there the big question for me was whether I was going to go to college or not I was the first one in my family to even go to college and my siblings didn't and it was expensive and we didn't have a lot of money Uh, but I really wanted to go to school and and being able to figure out a way to go to St. John's and play basketball for Coach Smith was a home run so got really lucky.
0: That's that's pretty cool.
3: Did you work the camps or did you go out um, as a camper? I I was a counselor. Uh, We couldn't afford to attend I guess but uh, you know I guess it's called working. You, the high school kids didn't get paid, but, you know, you were it's refereeing. And, mom, yeah, yeah. 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 It, was, it was a smush fund. You know, and you I, demonstrated for the campers. Yeah. And sure. then and then in the evenings, there were pickup games that we played. So it was really the way that I worked on my game a lot. And I got to play against Frank and Dan Smith and some of those guys who were there, you know, as as well in the late evening game. So it was I guess we called it the working the camps when you were a counselor, but it was as much just being there to play basketball and hang out and learn. and Coach called it recruiting. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. well, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah. where you first met Coach Smith. I did, yeah, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, through summer camps. And I watched him play games, of course, at Sartell yeah. for uh, yeah. Coach Benji.
3: Yep. Yeah, John. Where else were you recruited? You know I had some scholarship offers uh like at St. Cloud State, M- Mankato State, Bemidji State, Division 2 schools like that were the main yeah. other schools that recruited me. Nothing outside of Minnesota. I wasn't a Division 1 recruit, but uh a lot of the schools in Minnesota. We had we were undefeated my high school season until we lost our region championship. I I don't know if they still do it this way, but they would you know the the regions were formed by kind of placing the twin cities with uh yeah the rest of the state. And so we had to play Marshall U, who was oh, ranked geez. number one. Oh, we, were, yeah. we were ranked three. They were ranked one. And we had to beat them to get to the state tournament. And, yeah. and we didn't. So uh, we were undefeated prior to that and had a really good high school team. So our high school team got, got a fair amount of uh, visibility my senior year. Yeah, well, that's good.
5: Phil, talk to us a little bit about it. How you got to St. John's? Well, I had uh, kind of an opposite experience to John. Um, Growing up in St. Cloud, uh, a mile from uh, St. Cloud State's campus, I would also go watch the Johnny Husky games, but I'd be cheering for St. Cloud State, (laughs) you know, and I always thought that's where I'd go to school. Um, Had been talking to their coaching staff as a junior, but then I had a knee injury my senior year, and that pretty much cut off any contact with St. Cloud State, but Coach Smith still uh, was interested in having me come out. If I could play, great. If I couldn't, he knew I'd enjoy the experience out at St. John's. But I would go, you know, when I was younger, I went to the St. Cloud State camps, not out to the St. John's camps. But um, later, after playing at St. John's, I got a chance to work the camps with uh, your coach, Vingy, and coach Bauman from Little Falls. And uh, just the connections that you make in the informal camp setting was phenomenal.
3: You had a great group of high school coaches that Oh we did. I mean yeah. it was it was really a fun experience to hang out in yeah. the summertime. They still you still do camps, I assume. They still yeah. do camps,
4: yeah. yeah. They've changed a little bit. But uh yeah, we had Bauman from Little Falls and we uh, had Horiza from Cretan. He was the comic. He was a comic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was a great guy. <laughs> and uh, we did we did, just had some great coaches out there and some great counselors, yeah. To work, to and work, having work. Bob
5: Elpers with you for so long
0: and yes. uh, doing his Championship Thursday speeches yes. and yeah. getting the kids all cranked up, he was he was amazing with the kids. Tell, tell I'm not familiar with the Championship Thursday. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, all all week long with the campers, you
5: have all kinds of seasonal competitions for all the different things, and then they all kind of come to a head on Thursday with the four-on-four four champs and the one-on-one on one champs and the five-on-five five champs, and In the morning of Championship Thursday, Bob would go into this monologue, um, you know, quoting musicians, and he would start slow and just gradually build up to this (laughs) crescendo where he's yelling at the campers, and they're all so fired up, they can't wait to get started. And, you know, I know I've talked to him, he still has kids. You know, 10, 15 years later, coming up to him, Oh, yeah, I remember Championship <laughs> Thursday. And, you know, Coach Smith would get t shirts, Championship Thursday. Oh, we try
3: to make it into a fun exciting event for the kids but, yeah, yeah. So the camps would start up on Sunday afternoon and then the parents would pick you up Friday morning so Thursday was kind of the big day before before camp ended on yeah, Friday yeah. mornings and it was <laughs> a lot of fun yeah that was
1: when uh, parents were pretty eager to send a kid for a week <laughs> yes actually, <laughs> yeah they were in um, the woods. <laughs> and, and uh, you know I do have a Lenny horizon story coach you've probably heard this before but um and it's a camp story so uh, I was working, and I got my first head basketball coaching job at Norwood <laughs> Young America. We went out to, and I don't remember the name of it. It was an Avon. It was a bar. Why did this the Sands or, um, or something? There was a bar that might have been the motel there or something. But anyway, we're out at this bar, and you say to the guys, "Hey, let's give Tom some advice." You know, now he's got a head coaching job, and Craig Juba says, "Know what your assistants? Tell your assistants exactly what you want them to do." And Mo from maybe Sox Center. So Suck rabbits. Yeah, yeah, said if you don't have the horses, you're not going to win. And Lenny Horiza says, just make sure you don't follow a guy who they named the gym after.
5: <laughs> 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 Thanks, <laughs> Lenny. That's <it's> pretty helpful.
1: <laughs> but those camps were, you know, a big part of the experience as players, and, and a little bit for you then, you know, as a high schooler. So, Phil, did you? How much interaction did you have before Coach Smith started talking to you with St. John's? It doesn't sound like you
5: had your sights Almost on. Almost none. Yeah. Um, I had a couple friends that were at St. John's that were a year older than me, and so I had come out to campus to visit them. Um, but I I didn't grow up Catholic, so St. John's was completely off my radar. Um, other than my dad had taken a couple classes out there, and he had played some town ball out in uh, Rat Hall. So I'd been on campus a couple times, but really... <laughs> had not thought about going to St. John's at all. Um, A good friend of mine who was a year older than me went to St. Cloud his first year. And that was, I think, Sam Skerich's first or second year. Mm -hmm. And I knew the players on the team and they were not having a good time under his uh, (laughs) strategies or his methods. He was kind of a Bob Knight protégé and was really hard on the guys. And so I quickly decided, well, if nobody's having fun playing there, I don't want to go play there. And Kirk Risberg – uh, who I played with in high school, had already decided he was transferring to St. John's. And he and I played just a lot of basketball together. I loved his style of play, and mm-hmm. he loved giving me the ball. So I was like, <laughs> he's, he decided to go there, and shortly after, I decided, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a try, too, because I also had a couple other kids in my class that were going to St. John's that were good friends. And I just thought, I don't have a chance to play basketball really anywhere else, um, and this is an opportunity to go do it. Um, Plus, I had two older sisters who both were really good basketball players, and and they were both on scholarship at their schools. And so my parents had a little extra cash that I could (laughs) could now go to St. John's (laughs) and and play.
1: Good. So uh, Rizzy's a year older. Yes. Right? Uh, Is Tim Bott?
5: Tim and I were the
1: same age. Okay, so we are 83 high school? 82. 82. Okay. And Joe Ball. And Joe Voigt. And yep. Joe Voigt, right. I mean there's something in the water those days, right? In St. Cloud. Zummy is in that crowd, yep. right? Okay. So, what were your impressions when you got to St. John's?
5: About the campus, you know, when you um, actually
1: came as a student?
5: Yeah, just the I still remember meeting some of my uh, first friends on the on your uh, freshman floor. And everybody's just so welcoming and, and outgoing, you know, I, I wasn't a very outgoing guy. And so I kind of relied on other people to come up and introduce themselves. And there was no shortage of that on St. John's. And, you know, the friends that you make freshman year are still my friends today. It's, it's amazing.
3: John? Yeah, you know, uh so interesting. It's fun listening to Phil. I, I, I grew up very Catholic and, you know, had been to mass out there a lot and had, you know, some family connections. I think that was sort of why I tilted more uh towards towards St. John's. But when I went to school there, you know, for me it had always been sort of in my backyard and uh you know place that I went rode my bike out to literally even and stuff so when I went there the thing that I was first most struck by was that so many more of the students were from Chicago or Mm -hmm. out of state or whatever uh Tom and I met very early on and we're good friends for all four years and co-captains our senior year and you know not only did I have the same experience about meeting a lot of fun and interesting people but just within the basketball team you know Trevor was from the Bahamas and mm-hmm. most of most of our grade was from a lot from Illinois Omaha Decatur, yeah Illinois, was from, yeah right. it was it was it was pretty spread out so it was uh i guess uh you know growing up the way i did and the family that i did it was a pretty broadening experience even though it was only going to school you know 10 or 15 miles away from home it was a much more diverse group of kids and a, a much more Interesting and stimulating experience than I was uh, prepared for. I guess. Um, you want to talk about the first time we met,
1: <laughs> Red Hall? <laughs> what you're wearing? Uh, so this is a way of uh, supporting Frank, by the way.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Another. I had I'd been tipped off to this story cuz Tom and I laugh about it all the time that it was the first first week of school our freshman year. I'm sure it was a Saturday night when all the other kids were out partying and you and I were in Rat Hall uh shooting baskets and the 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 hilarious part of the story was I was wearing uh cut-off jeans which I guess you know were a thing at the <laughs> time. I think they I, were
1: I, we have we had, established. That. I I didn't
3: I didn't think it was that crazy and apparently it's been laughed at by others or whatever but uh I was wearing cut-off Jean shorts and a headband, which was common dress code, you know, for high school back then. But
1: Yeah, so the first time I met John uh, Wehoff, as we said, was in that, uh, in that rat hall um, gym where we were playing hoops that night. And uh, aside from the jean shorts, he was not wearing a shirt but wearing a headband. And so kind of jumped out of me right away. But here's the thing you know, clearly he was a really good basketball player and a heck of an athlete, but also a great guy. And you could kind of see that from the very beginning when we first met. Um, he was a really fun guy to be around, um, continues to be, and, uh, I'm super grateful for his friendship.
3: Tom and I met, uh, late night in rat hall and shot hoops for a couple hours together. And we're, you know, goofing around and got to know each other and both were there to play basketball, and like I said, ended up being co-captains and lifelong friends. But we had a random run-in on a on a week night or one of the nights the first first week of school, and we both remembered it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was really fun. You know, and to your point, Phil. I mean, it almost immediately, right? You
1: you got to be friends with people you were with. Yeah, friends with uh, for a long time. Coach, talk about these guys coming to campus. You know and your your thoughts and expectations, obviously phil you know coming in with an and had that injury mm-hmm. right but um you know having local guys that were as established reputation wise um come in and, and be an important part of the team yeah, had never worried me about um how they how they would fit in, obviously they would fit in very
4: very well, they're both very good basketball players, and um you know they they were friendly and I think our whole um, concept of our team was sort of a family kind of a deal. And I think people really got together, and and um, they were they were just fun to have around. You mentioned Risberg before. Remember, we had the uh, golf uh, fundraiser out yeah, at uh, Monticello. And I'm wondering, I'm here with the guys from, uh, from St. Cloud. Phil and Tim Bott, I forget who else was Meyer. there, but I said, where the heck is Risberg? He was standing right in back of me, and I had no <laughs> idea he
5: was there,
4: but I hadn't seen him for a while, but I can understand why he was a good friend of yours on basketball. He was a great feeder. He was such a smart ball player. He was really, really good. But again, it was just great having guys from the local area. Um it's it's not only good for basketball in, in Central Minnesota, but it's it brings in fans too who had found them in high school mm-hmm. and were able to come out and watch them play at St. John's. And we had some great games. We had great games with St. Cloud State. And um, Phil had a fantastic shot at the end of uh, one of the games when I think St. Cloud was rated number one yeah, they were, in the nation. They were uh, predicted to have a great team, and they did. They were yeah, they were really good. Yeah and it got down near the end of the ball game. I think it was on sort of a fast break, a trail kind of a deal. And I think you shot a shot that went up to the rafters and, yeah, uh, went through game over uh, with. Yeah,
5: yeah. Bruce Anderson was their big tall center. And yes. he was all up in, in my face. <laughs> it's like, all I could see was his arms and yeah. just had to put a little extra arch yeah. on the shot and <laughs> drop through. And, uh, Rizzy was quoted later as saying, "And we were dropping back into our high-five defense. <laughs> 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 they, had a, they had a few seconds left, and Reggie Perkins, who was a great player for St. Yeah, Cloud, got great. off a half-court shot that uh, just went off the front rim. So cool. it would have been a good idea to quit high-fiving and maybe play defense. <laughs> it's true, very, defense. very true. I, well, I
0: don't know that I've ever heard that before. I love yeah. that we dropped yeah. back into our high-five yeah. defense. That's <laughs> excellent.
4: Then the next day in the St. Cloud Times, I think the headline was." Uh, St. John's uh, beat uh, St. Cloud State, St. Cloud State number one in the nation, number two in Stearns County, (laughs) (laughs) which did not please Coach Raymond very much (laughs) at that
1: time. So on that note, actually, let's stick with the St. Cloud Times thing. You guys both remember growing up reading the Times that had a pretty extensive sports page. Very right. Covered a lot. High school, college, you know, what are your what are some of your memories of that?
3: Well, I, I, you know, I I do remember it as being a very comprehensive local paper. I mean, I think that business model is kind of dead these days. It's hard it to hard to make a living or or do that, but uh you know, there was, it was a daily paper that every time you had a game or something important, there was an article about it. so it was, you know, it was very present. It was kind of I, I guess I would confess up up till age eighteen that's probably where I got ninety percent of my news. You know, <laughs> right. that was sorta of the way it worked back then. Uh, it was just whatever you read in the paper was what but what, what happened. But they, they covered Saint John's obviously really well too. And they it was really did. the St. John's St. Cloud State thing was super fun. I, I remember watching those games and then playing in those games and still uh I think the the track record of of competitive games between those two schools was was pretty good, but so there was a lot of right. coverage from yeah. from both of those as well. I don't think they have any
1: full time staff members anymore.
3: Is that right? Um, I, I, no,
1: I don't think right? To your point,
5: yeah. right? They yeah. certainly don't have full time sports people anymore. Even uh, even at that time, there was a separate publication that Wayne Welk and some others put together called Central Minnesota Sports. So not only did we have extensive Mm. coverage through the St. Cloud times, but there was all these other um, sports teams from all of Stearns County area being covered by central Minnesota sports and they shared photographers and so forth. And I don't know why, but uh, for some reason I kind of became a darling of the times writers. They would write about me if I was playing, they'd write about me if I (laughs) wasn't playing. And uh, one of the writers, Rick price um, was always interviewing and my teammates, Rizzy and, and Bot, and some of those guys started calling him Uncle Rick. You know, <laughs> that's the only reason they're covering is because, you know, your family. He would ride the buses with us, wouldn't he? Oh,
1: of course. We'd yeah. To away games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd have the radio guy
4: in. We'd have the sports writers in. Anybody who wanted to join us, he joined us. We even had some parents ride the buses. Um <laughs> And we I think when we played St. Thomas many times when the places were jammed, you couldn't get in, our squad numbered fifty people. you know some of the uh, students would couldn't get in join us, you know, going with the team. <laughs> <laughs> the guy at the gate would be saying, "My God, your
1: squad is big, yeah, about fifty guys <laughs> I have forgotten this, but I, I was able to I spent some time going through the record uh, from those years and um, our senior year, there were 250 people that had tickets to the St. Thomas game at St. Thomas that did not get in. And a handful of kids broke down the security door. Johnny's, of course, um, likely not sober. Um, And they, they got in trouble for it. But I mean, that's how crazy it was, right? When you played those Johnny Tommy games. Um, You had to be, I mean, if you're a spectator, you're going to have to be there, right? By probably halftime of the JV game. For sure. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the Johnny Tommy experience too.
3: Well, you know, I kind of said it earlier, but There were a handful of what I would call rivalry games, the Tommy games, the St. Cloud State games, stuff where they would always be sold out when I was in high school and when I played in college. And it was part of the atmosphere that you just wanted to be a part of. You know, it was... As we all know, in college basketball, it starts out all exciting in the fall, all the new energy and the new season, the new games. And then sometimes when you get in the middle of January and you got long, cold bus rides to, you know, strange places and stuff, it's it's less exciting. And then in the spring when you play the Tommies and it's sold out and there's, you know, a gym full of people and stuff, there's some very highs and lows in terms of uh, what you came. But I was able to watch – some of those games in high school and then playing them in college. And it was, it was why you wanted to play. I mean, it was just super fun. I still have pretty vivid memories of certain shots and certain ends of the games and stuff. And they're always from like a Tommy game or as I called state game. Yeah.
0: When uh, you guys were playing, were the Tommy still up in the old gym? Up on the what? Uh, our, my freshman year, they were up there yep. in that old gym, and then okay. they moved to Sheniker. Okay, and,
3: you know, yep. so It was completed right while we were All right. while we were there, and and so it was uh a lot bigger than the old gym, and it was supposed to be this big new thing, and it's sold out like that, like right away. Oh, it yeah. wasn't. It's you know, I don't know what the capacity was, but it it was. Uh, we didn't have any trouble filling that hours in advance, like you said. Hundreds of people didn't get in. So yeah, and it it doesn't make you feel old that that's two
1: facilities ago. Yeah, it's not the truth. Yeah, it's kind of like Earth
5: Homes, right? Remember yeah. they're brand new when yeah. we were that's juniors right. or seniors, and now they're gone. So, mm-hmm. well, I know whatever the capacity was for those games, it w- the number of fans that were there was way more than the fire yeah. marshal was happy yeah. with, because <laughs> yes. you know, there wasn't a seat for everybody. There were people sitting on the floor all the way around, um, and in the corners and. That was high energy. Well, it's hard to top that rivalry,
1: really. I mean, there are a lot of college rivalries, but, you know, in terms of small college, the Johnny Tommy thing, you know, was, was really incredible. And let's talk a little bit about the Rats. So I hadn't known this, but apparently at the St. Mary's game at St. John's in January of 1984, the Rats... I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, but went and turned all the chairs around, uh, the St. Mary's team at halftime. Um, that's not even close to the worst thing that they ever did, that's for sure. But there are all kinds of things that the Rats did over the years um, that we're still continuing to find out about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that experience of playing for the Rats as well. Similar, right? I mean, they're, they're going to come out in full force to the St. Thomas games,
5: Either one. Um, we had an experience, I think it was a playoff game maybe, where uh, the Rats were really getting uh, loud and out of hand. And somehow the opposing coach managed to convince the officials to stop the game and that may, maybe coach would be able to calm the kids down. And, and coach is just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. What, Phil, why don't, you, why don't you and the other captain go over and, and talk to the players and get them to calm down. And, and so... And the rest were behind us, so our, <laughs> our hands are saying, calm, calm down, calm down. But our voices are like, keep it up. You <laughs> yeah, <us>. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: One of my uh, favorite rat memories were... Uh- I'm sure you remember this too, Tom. Is there was a couple of kids from the Bahamas who brought bongo drums in mm-hmm. and during the oh. time during the timeouts there would be like dance-offs at different competitions. So <laughs> I remember more than once being scolded in a timeout to pay attention because, <laughs> the, yeah. because the players were always watching our, our friends out there, <laughs> yeah. you know, going after them with the music. And some of them were pretty good dancers. <laughs> they were yeah. very competitive. And the music was I mean, these guys were authentic bongo players, yeah. and it was it was a pretty good like you know, intermission show when they would go yeah. out there and do that. So there was always the tension of trying to get to look at a little bit of it, but pay attention to whatever coach was trying to teach us.
4: Yeah. Wasn't there some kind of a saying, some kind of a rhythm that was going on at that time? Um,
3: what the heck was? Yeah, my it? music skills are pretty limited. I'm sure yeah. <laughs> if I heard it, I would recognize yeah. it. But it was. Uh, you know, just just
0: so you guys know, in all the interviews we've had and all the different rat stories. Whenever anyone would turn to coach and say, do you remember that? He has no, he plays dumb. No, I was coaching. I was busy coaching.
3: No, I had nothing to do. didn't see it. I didn't see anything. It's up to the the athletic director. exactly. So one other rat story quick, uh, Tom, I remember too. A guy named Aaron Franta was one of the leaders of the rat pack the whole time that I was there. And he had a a rat outfit, you know, so he was dressed up in, in full gear and he... He was hilarious and he would do a lot of fun things. And one of the nights when uh, we were out in the bars after one of the games, Aaron was still there and he was, you know, he would sweat as much as any player and he was still wearing his rat outfit (laughs) with his painted face. And he's a shorter guy. So he was kind of sitting on a bar stool and he was talking to me and he said, God, I love basketball. I just love basketball. You know, I probably would have played if I weren't a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Like, that was, a higher, that, that was a higher calling, you know,
1: that he had, he had to do. And he was a great one. He was one of the all-time uh, rat leaders. In fact, I think on campus in 83, 84, and it was, there was always this conversation since we have started talking to people from the 1960s about, what do we do about the rats? You know, there's a conversation on campus. It was a thirty year anniversary of the rats, the official rat pack, right? And when we were there. And and then they but then there was also this um this committee that was pulled together to talk about gender bias on campus. Mm-hmm. Right? Well that conversation ended up being a conversation about the rats. Oh. And it was Aaron Franta that actually they had they literally had a debate, and it was Aaron Franta that stood up and, and you know, talked about Why, you know, being rats um, and behaving the way that they do is such a good thing. But in the midst of that conversation, um, there was a student from St. Ben's who proposed that there be a curriculum change and that anybody that wanted to be a rat would have to take an English class where they'd learn more than just four-letter words. (laughs) Just, you know, an ongoing conversation on campus about the rats. In fact, Phil, it might have been your junior year. Didn't they take the bleachers out at one point? Um, Because Roman was working the bleachers where the rats sat. I think they said there was some construction going on.
4: Yeah, But they actually
1: wanted to take it out because they wanted to kind of... Do away with the rats. Do you remember anything about
5: that? Well, they had taken one section of the old bleachers from Rat Hall Mm -hmm. and brought those down into the palestra. So the rats were actually still sitting in the old wooden bleachers. And they probably did then decide, you know, if we get rid of the bleachers from Rat Hall, maybe the rats will follow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that didn't work out that way.
3: (laughs) And then
4: I think we put in temporary bleachers that could be moved. Yeah. So, um, And I think, um, yeah, the administration wanted to move to another side, but it didn't work. And, and uh, I love the rats. I thought they were great most of the
1: time. Occasionally, they did get out of hand, but um, overall, they were,
4: they were great.
1: Yeah, I would echo what John said about um, having a tough time paying attention during timeouts, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> you're like are these guys. Yeah, up? Put oh, I know, right. I know. We're gonna yeah. go out. And say, okay, we're gonna run that play. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so, talk about some the advantages. I think are, are pretty obvious. Coach talked a little bit about this in, in terms of being local and playing local. Did you? Were there any kind of being from the area is what I meant to say. Were there were there challenges or disadvantages
5: in any way? Um, I I don't think so. I just remember, like Coach Smith was saying, so many of the my former coaches and parents of my friends, um, you know, would read about St. John's doing really well, and you know, Phil and Kirk and Tim Bott are all still playing, and so a lot of people would come out to St. John's and, you know, you get a chance to talk to them all after the game. And uh, it was just fantastic Mm -hmm. to have that following. And, you know, you just knew you had the support of uh, the, not just the St. John's community, but the St. Cloud community too.
3: It was a great experience for me. I I have almost all entirely good memories about it. What I would say is it probably because of that puts a little added pressure on you, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're, you know, most most everybody who you care about is there and not every local kid got to play you know it's a it's a competitive school and a competitive program and so uh if you were fortunate enough to have some success in your career and get playing time it just really reinforced a lot of those family and friendship type things but there was a an element of you know added visibility and pressure that if things didn't go well you was right there in your living room too Central
4: Minnesota High School basketball was pretty darn good at that time, too. I mean, it was quite good. And had Motor Falls, you had Tech, you had Sartell. I mean, it was very,
1: very good basketball. Fun to watch. Yeah. So so what about the St. John's experience, aside from basketball, uh, when you think back, um, you're both still pretty strongly connected. Aside from basketball, what about the St. John's basketball, or what about the St. John's experience? Do you value the most?
3: So, I, I, for me, I would stick with the theme of, you know, growing up in Sartell and a family that very uh, agricultural community, and a family that had no history of going to college from from the beginning. You know, just the levels of diversity and friendship and experiences. One of the things that I loved about the basketball program was the periodic international trips that coach arranged because with the J term set up playing basketball, you, you couldn't really study abroad because you had basketball, you know, overlapped across all of the semesters. And so it's the summer of 1983.
1: We flew first to, to Germany, then to Austria. Um, And then we traveled uh, into Yugoslavia and that was a great trip uh, because we played a lot of basketball in a short period of time and the people were absolutely fantastic. The hard part was attending these these dinners afterward where there'd be a lot of plum brandy available to all of us and then having to get up early in the morning and get on a bus to travel to the next town for our next event while the uh, bus driver went about 90 miles an hour and played ACDC as loud as he could, thinking that that's what we wanted to hear the next morning. We were really lucky. Coach was, I think, the first in AMIAC to actually do those. And he did that because he wanted us to have the same kind of international experience that most of the other students at St. John's and St. Ben's had. And we couldn't do that because basketball goes into both semesters. So he'd figure out a way to get us that experience that might include, you know, some basketball, but he had a, he, a great attitude toward it. You know, not only, you know, in, the, in, in his interest in, in making it happen for us and all the work that that entailed, but he also, you know, had a great attitude when we got there. He he kind of let us go. He let us go out and have fun. That really made an impact that really helped us, you know, enjoy the experience
3: uh, so much more. You know, when I've talked from a business standpoint and from a personal standpoint, just about going to St. John's really opened up my eyes from the standpoint of friends within basketball, but just the international perspective and experience, the liberal arts education, which I didn't even really understand before I went there. I mean, I honestly went to play basketball, and but the whole idea that, a liberal arts philosophy and the types of classes that you had. Uh, I would say my experience and exposure just really opened up my horizons. I know it sounds like a marketing slogan, but it's true. It really did happen to me. And I, you know, was fortunate in my business career and felt, you know, I would have never had the thought or the drive or the ambition to do a lot of that stuff if I hadn't been exposed to it through St. John. So it was, you know, I'm a very loyal alumni for that reason, because not only was it fun and healthy, but it just broadened my horizons in a way that uh, I have been forever grateful for it. So it did what liberal arts schools are supposed to do, right? Because you were an
1: accounting major.
3: Yeah. Right? Well, you know, it was uh, Jim Murphy. I don't know if you guys all remember him or not, but he was my uh, professor, counselor, whatever. I guess Mm -hmm. you got assigned to a professor when you... When you get there, and I remember signing up for classes my freshman year with him, and you know he was a, a, a liberal arts uh, proponent, I guess, and talking about you know taking some of his classes in liberal arts, and I'm like, well, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, it's it's just really about learning how to learn, you know, and that was a, a you know we don't we don't worry so much about what you know, mm-hmm. it's about learning how to learn and opening, and I that, that phrase like stuck with me. I thought he was a pretty fun, interesting guy. And I took a lot of his classes while I was there. And, you know, rather than thinking about what degree you had, just focusing in on kind of that learning how to learn, because I was a a government major, and there were very limited requirements at that point in time. At the beginning of my senior year, I figured out that I could actually dual major and finish an accounting thing, which I had always had a bit of a passion for, and so I actually double majored and and, uh, actually got offered a job. They, they they interviewed your junior year then. So I got offered, I interviewed for a job at Arthur Anderson at the end of my junior year, representing that I was an accounting major because I figured out that I could finish that if I had to. And so then after I got the job offer, then my senior year, I had to, had to cram when everybody was goofing around last semester, spring no, you're uh, talking senior about. year. I was, I took a full load of accounting courses to finish <laughs> my degree <laughs> to, <laughs> uh, backfill the job that I that I had landed which turned out to be a great decision. So I was really happy about it. So did you you went with Arthur Anderson? I did, yeah. Uh, did, you, did you do some training down in St. Charles Illinois? We did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Arthur Anderson, the firm that I started with, had acquired a, a college that went under St. Yeah. Charles and, and made it a training center. Yeah. And so, my he uh, spent a week, first week in the office, and then three weeks there. So, I I lived in the St. Charles dorms for three yeah. weeks, my first month of yeah. work at Arthur Anderson. Uh, getting getting training for on the job, and then at least at least once a year, most years a couple of times would go back for sort of advanced training. They mm-hmm. were real proponents of yeah. of training, which was a great setup. Yeah. So yeah, I I still remember that place very vividly. Yeah, they had a great setup down there.
4: That was the what Dominican College, or I think it was an association with the D- Dominican Order
3: in St. Charles. Could have been was yeah. Tom
4: granowski uh, with yeah. Arthur Anderson yes. at that yeah. time. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. So Tom Granowski was with the same firm. So this, I'm old enough now that this was back when it was all kind of one audit tax consulting, it was financial services. Then shortly after I joined, they started to push you either towards the technology Anderson consulting side Mm -hmm. or the finance side of, you know, M&A tax finance like that. So I ended up in the traditional Arthur Anderson finance tax stuff, uh, Gronowski went with, the uh, Anderson consulting mm-hmm. stuff when that, when that all spun off. But when I interviewed, oh. I interviewed with Tom and it was yeah, all yeah. sort of, I worked on a couple of projects crossed over, uh, in those early days, but yeah, it was, it was a great firm and a great setup and very connected. The headquarters was in Chicago. yeah, uh, so that's why the yeah. training center was there too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Phil, how about your experience outside of basketball with outside. St. John's? I,
3: I feel like most of
5: my um experiences were kind of built on the relationships that you build. I wasn't a stellar student, uh kind of struggled figuring out what I wanted to go into and um made a late decision to go into education, which meant I I could come back for a fifth year um which I did because I had had missed a couple of years from injury so I was eligible and uh it it worked out fantastic. Um becoming a teacher, and then continuing uh, down in Monticello, where he probably wouldn't admit it, but I'm sure I'm the reason that Troy Begolke ended up coming to, to St. John's. <laughs> I, I think started. you were <laughs> the main reason why you <laughs> came to St. John's. Well <laughs> done. <for that. laughs> yeah.
1: um, but Did you do your student teaching then that uh, senior year?
5: Yeah. 87? And they had actually had a rule that you couldn't be in a varsity sport and do your student teaching. And I wasn't student teaching until the spring, um, but it overlapped because of the playoffs by a week or two. And the sisters at, at St. Ben's were not going to budge. They said absolutely oh, not. You're going to have to um, uh, either make it work. Either quit basketball, you know, right before the playoffs, or you're going to have to come back for another semester. Like five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't an option. But uh, a couple of influential alumni. Uh, like John Quinlevin wrote letters on my behalf and said, you know, this can be, this can be a positive thing. And it was, you know, I would come <laughs> to play a game and uh, all my little third graders from Royalton yeah. elementary, where uh, I was teaching, yeah. I would come over to the game yeah, 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 and watch yeah. and, you know, come out on the floor after the game. And so it ended up being a real positive experience, okay. both for me and for some of my <laughs> students to be able to participate in that. But That's great. So a, then it was a close call. Did you start at the prep school then teaching? No, I taught, uh, I uh, went to South Dakota for one year. Um, I had gotten married at Christmas time of uh, my fifth year, and my wife was finishing up out at uh, in Sioux Falls. So my first teaching job was in a small town outside of Sioux Falls, where I was, you know, a head girls' basketball coach and making making nothing. But uh, we, we loved Sioux Falls; it was a great town. And then the following year, um, I got hired in Monticello, um, and that's where I taught my the rest of my career. Uh, my wife had a job in Elk River, so we lived down there. Oh, okay so you, did you, did you coach at the prep school? Then I did for a little bit when okay. my, when my boys uh, went, decided to go to school at the prep school, I knew their head coach and athletic director, Brian Backus, and so I coached with him off and on over the years and then he for my youngest son, Gabe, um, I was his head coach for two years. Okay, so how did that go? Stressful. Really? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, when I was Brian's assistant coach, you know, practice would be over, game would be over. I could go home and sleep just fine. And you know, never think about it until you're back at the gym the next day. But boom, the day you're named head coach, that's the first thing you think about when you wake up. And it's the last <laughs> thing you're still thinking about when you go to bed. And, um, you know, you, you just do the best you can for the kids. And, um, but the relationships you build with them are, it was fun it was really yeah. good yeah and
1: how long were you in Monticello 30
5: 34 years 34 oh, years oh. yeah and just 30, retired
1: 2-3 uh, yeah. years ago yeah 2 years ago yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I love the story about uh, following the rules around the student teaching. Uh, you know, whenever people find out you played college basketball, like, oh, yeah, you get away with a lot. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. I think <laughs> I think the rules were stricter for the athletes than they were for the non-athletes because yeah, they wanted to. I remember my senior year, we had a game in Duluth and I had to miss classes and you had to get your teachers to sign off. You know, if you were mm-hmm. in that favorite teacher, Murph, Jim Murphy, I had to miss his class and he, you know, I apologized and he signed the thing and gave it back. To me and said, hey, don't let school get in the way of your learning. Go ahead, <laughs> yeah. go have fun. You know? He was yeah, like that. had a really good attitude. Some of the some of the professors were very encouraging about what you could learn in sports, but some of them weren't.
1: Right? Yeah. So coach, talk a little bit about that because that there was an ebb and flow, I suppose, right? Yeah. To that, depending <clears throat> very definitely. Uh, first of all, I have to um, mention
4: to Phil. Do you remember when you dislocated your ankle? I, I mean, I know you remembered that because I remember exactly where it happened on the court. And we got you to the hospital, and we kept saying, Phil, don't look at it. Don't look at it. And finally, he, he pulled back the sheets, he looked at it, and he screamed. <laughs> and his parents were with us. And what an, what an experience! It was such an ugly injury. Uh, but you had some injury problems and uh, you bounced back. And
3: Was that the same leg as your knee? Uh, no. The other one? Yeah. Oh,
5: wow. Yeah. So when was that? What year? Well, so when I first got to St. John's, um, I couldn't play at all my freshman year. And so I'm watching all these guys that I was just getting to know, you know, and half of them are getting cut. And I'm thinking, man, I, you know, I'll be lucky to make the team next year as a sophomore. But then... Uh, Went out, and by the, by then I'd seen that you and Troy were starters I think, as sophomores, right? And it seemed like, well, you know, younger guys might get a shot if, if you just work hard. But uh, we were kind of relegated to the gray team over on the playground. <laughs> with the behind and the and Iron Curtain. Behind the Curtain. <laughs> with the sticky floor. The with the sticky floor. floor. And yeah. then, uh, you know, you'd get called over to go against the red and the blue team every now and then when Smith's favorite drill, you know, all right, red team, you need five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, yeah. finally, finally get five stops defensively, which is a lot of work. And then all of a sudden, okay, uh, gray, you need two. <laughs> so, but that was great competition. And so then I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to have a chance to play in, in my third year. And uh, I was going to back up Jim Lang, and things were good then I got hurt in the preseason scrimmage and so boom and you know, I'm out for another year. You just, uh, you dec- have to decide whether you're going to just be a student now, or if you're going to try to come back one more time. And you know, obviously things ended up working out yeah, great. So. Made up for it. Yeah.
4: Wow. Well, you have an article uh, interview in the uh, book. Um, it was a great, really a great interview. I thought, and you mentioned, uh, my brother, Bob and, uh, who was a unique individual who had cerebral palsy, and he loved coming to our games. And he sat on the end of the bench, and you, you guys would tap him on his shoulder, and he was thoroughly involved with, uh, with basketball. He loved it. And the next day, he would always critique the game and always tell me what I did wrong. Uh, and he was usually right. It was absolutely right. But, yeah, but you overcame a lot, of, um, a lot of injuries, a lot of uh, difficult times, and
5: became a great player. Well, if I look at uh, you know, like your brother Bob, and I had a friend in high school uh, who had some severe physical lim- uh, limitations, and was were not the kinds of things that you can just overcome. Right, you just have to learn to live with them. And so, anything that I've had to deal with were always things that I could look ahead and say, you know, yeah. with enough work or or perseverance or whatever, I can I can get over this. What you know, what have I got to complain about? Because I. I have a shot at getting through it, whereas a lot of people don't. You know, I could have mm-hmm. stopped um, and just not gone out for basketball at all in college and still look back mm-hmm. at my high school experience. And I had way more than, you know, a lot of kids ever mm-hmm. had a chance to do. Um, so it's it's like you, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You just got to, you know, appreciate what you've already been able to do and participate in and, and- make the best of it. What, what comes next? It's, it's interesting,
0: Phil. I admire what you had to overcome with injuries because you lo- you don't just stand still during that time. You're losing ground. You bet. And then you've got to come back from the injury. You've got to hone your skills. you got to get in shape again. And then, boom, you do it. Overcoming it in one year, tough up. Doing it back-to-back years, that's – wow. Mm-hmm. That's really – I mean, that is an achievement in and of itself that you came back out and
3: played. Yeah, pretty serious injuries, yeah. too. I mean, like yeah. mean, I-
0: – well, I think, you know, Jim was very
5: encouraging because, you know, he had gone through similar struggles with his knees and things in his career. But as freshman, I wasn't playing. I wasn't part of the team at all. And uh, Jim pulled a friend of mine, Tim Bott, aside and, you know, said, you know, how's Phil doing? How's he hanging in there? And, you know, Tim honestly said, well, he's he's got some doubts about whether he's going to be able to come back and play. And, and he said, well, just tell him. You know, once you can play, you can play. And, you know, it wasn't much um, encouragement, but it, it echoed loud and clear in my mind. Like, yeah. uh, okay, There's yeah. still he, an he opportunity. thinks I can. There's still yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, good for
2: you. That's some perseverance. Next time on No Place I'd Rather Be. And, um,
5: that was just kind of expected that, you know, nobody's going to try to just run the table on the court. We're going to have kind of competitive play, and you're going to push each other, and
3: um, we're all going to make each other better. We had a our junior year. We had a pretty tough yeah. road to uh, Kansas City to get down there, but we won uh, two incredible games. And then, you know, kind of similar to my high school experience, one of the downsides we got down there we we had a pretty tough draw. Our first game, I think, it was St. Mary's of Texas, who had like played
1: John help me on this memory but i thought we i remember us doing 20 killers in 20 minutes the first day of practice we never had to run them on
2: this has been no place i'd rather be starring coach jim smith hosted by tom connell and john russell produced by ryan russell executive produced by tom connell and john russell with bench warmers music and engineering by ryan Russell. Thank you to Phil Johnson and John Wehoff for being so gracious and willing to share their stories. And thank you as always to Johnny alum, Steve Cummings, class of 83 at Nova Consulting for the use of their beautiful facilities. This season of No Place I'd Rather Be is brought to you by the Sexton Family Foundation, helping usher in the next generation of leaders and Sixth Man Enterprises, creating a state of readiness. Are you a member of the Johnny Basketball Alumni Association? You should be. Sign up right now to join the Johnny Basketball Nation. Go to johnnybasketballalumni.org to sign up today. Or click the link in the show notes. Thank you, as always, to Coach Jim Smith, whose book with former player 69 grad Paul Burnaby chronicling the history of 123 seasons of Johnny Basketball is available for purchase through the St. John's University Bookstore. Check the show notes or our website for details. Please be sure to like, follow, rate, and review. No place I'd rather be. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast needs. For more in-depth and featured content on each episode, visit our website at benchwarmersmedia.com. Questions? Comments? Just want to say hi? We'd love to hear from you. Send a note to info at Benchwarmersmedia.com No Place I'd Rather Be is a Benchwarmers media production in association with Nine Pines podcasts. I'm Ryan Russett. Thanks for listening.